Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! It is believed that each one of us has many different parts to our minds and psyches. Each one of these parts has unique needs, wants, and beliefs. It may be consciously or unconsciously playing out, helping or harming us. Is that true? And uh, why do these splits happen? Um, the answer is yes. Each of you is an am- amalgamation, a combination of multiple versions of yourself um, from different times that you lived. Um, different parallel universes, if you will. Um, all the experiences that you've had, as well as you may actually be carrying within yourself certain archetypical patterns of your ancestral lines that could be considered a part of you. Uh, Why does this happen? This happens for many reasons. Um, There's not just one. Very often, um, when you, as a higher self, when you project forth into a reality, there is some version of the veil of forgetfulness. Now, it tends to be modified in higher dimensions, but there is some version of the veil of forgetfulness that still exists Uh, Whenever you're coming into the matrix world, because of that, a certain sense of continuity is lost. So when you incarnate in a body, essentially you forget everything that you are temporarily, and you're only present to the aspect of you that is going through a current incarnation. Not only that, but because essentially any of your incarnations is a byproduct or a joining of three energies, the energy of your higher self, the energy of your mother's lineage, and the energy of your father's lineage. Who you are in that particular incarnation is not only influenced by you essentially at soul level, but it is influenced by planetary energies, the planet that you choose to incarnate on. So a new version of you is is, is created every time that you incarnate. And that new version of you not only has temporary amnesia, but is also a combination of different energies. So what is being lost in that process is a sense of continuity. So if the veil of forgetfulness as a construct did not exist, your different incarnations would be a lot more seamless. So they would kind of be, I want you to imagine like a straight line with like dots on it right? So every new incarnation would be a dot on the line. But if you had memories of everything that happened before, it would be kind of just that one line or that string that would be very cohesive, coherent existence, right? That is interconnected. Instead, what ends up happening is that line is divided. Um, it's, it's kind of like it's um, every incarnation is creates like a cut on that line. And so it looks like instead of a continuous line, it looks like a bunch of dashes one after the other. 
with spaces in between, right? Because of that, each one of these aspects of you is essentially um, separate from the rest, right? Then what ends up happening when you disincarnate, that aspect goes into the wholeness, the fullness of your higher self and either gets accepted or rejected um, by your higher aspects. Now, it can also be partially rejected uh, or partially accepted. So there's, let's just say there is a range of possibilities of what could happen to this one little TDBD cut or dash or lifetime and how it gets integrated into your higher self. It, it would easily integrate into the rest of your being if, it, if you lived a very predictable life and acted in ways that are homogenous and congruent with who you are at soul level. For example, say you're a very kind soul. Again, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really um, trying to simplify it for you guys so you understand. Say that you're a kind soul and say you had an incarnation despite forgetting that you were a kind soul, right? You Like you descended, uh, veil of forgetfulness, all the good stuff, and then you went through a pretty crazy life, but you displayed that characteristic of kindness. So when that aspect of yourself goes back to the higher self, the higher self is able to embrace it because it is homogenous as it is the same as the rest of it. So your higher self would be like, well, great, I'm actually really kind despite all these experiences that I had to go through. So this part just integrates very seamlessly to the rest of of your being. Now, imagine a different scenario. Imagine you had a life where you were not displaying kindness and you were displaying cruelty for whatever reason, maybe because of your upbringing, maybe because of the different energies of, you know, the lineages that, that you came through. But let's just say you acted differently. Um, as a projection of your higher self, as a part of your higher self, compared to what the rest of the higher self has done prior. So when you come back into the fullness of who you are, the higher self is going to look at this aspect and and it's going to consider and being like, well, this part is actually really cruel. Am I able to integrate that part of me and accept that as a part of me or am I not? And if the higher self does not want to fully integrate, it's done intentionally, but then it's kind of like a part of you that becomes somewhat separate because it's it's like creating a bookmark within yourself, reminding yourself that, hey, like this part of me actually does not act in accordance with the grand value of kindness that the rest of me has. It acts in accordance with cruelty. So I should create more aspects, not aspects, sorry. I should create more experiences for this one part of me where they would be able to learn kindness over time so that it can join with the rest of quote unquote me. Um, it may actually also choose to integrate. Like in other words, your, your higher self in that point in time calls the shot. So it may choose to integrate that part of itself, uh, despite that aspect being cruel with the rest of it, that is kindness. What happens though is because, so think of, think of the energy of your higher self as kind of the ocean, but every incarnation is a drop within that ocean. If you fully integrate a drop within the ocean, it actually, even despite being the drop, it changes the frequency of the whole ocean to some degree. So when your higher self chooses to integrate the cruel life that it lived within itself, essentially it gives a chance to that part of itself to change the frequency of the whole. Um, And that is pretty dramatic. Now it's done all the time, but the higher self needs to be willing to go through that 
experience, right? Because change is hard. <laughs> it's hard here. It's hard at higher levels. So now let's start bringing it home because uh, it's kind of like a very long-winded way for me to answer your original question, which is like, how do these parts get created in the first place? When your higher self, because your higher self has had so many experiences, when it starts dividing its stream of energy into smaller streams, essentially multiple different characters within those streams get projected forth into one incarnation just because there's been so many experiences it's like imagine like every imagine like your um like a good analogy would be like imagine every cell of your body like human body was an incarnation that's how many incarnations your higher selves would generally have like give or take now imagine um, so like when you're projecting forth into an incarnation you would never just project like one cell um, you would tend to project like a few. And so because you are divided from the aspect of the higher self, and the reason that you're divided is because you've been going through all of these incongruent, incohesive, uh, um, incoherent experiences or like separate little lives. Um, you become them, right? Until you integrate them. And... As you project forth, you're projecting multiple different aspects into one physical body, right? So that is what gets projected. And that's why that is also what gets experienced. And like I said, on top of that, when you come in into contact with the lineage of your mother and father energies, that they could have certain aspects within the lineage that you would borrow as a personality or as an aspect of yourself. And sometimes you borrow hundreds, actually, depending on what the lineage is. Um, that could be considered like an aspect of the um, ancestral karma. You know, one way that, that that ancestral karma manifests itself manifests itself is by you inherently or essentially inheriting um, the, the the different parts of your lineages. And okay, and then there's more to that, right? So that's at higher level, right? And then of course there are additional parts that could be created by you as you're going through life, like a particular incarnation. Generally, those happen for a few reasons. Trauma would always create a split. So when a human goes through a traumatic experience, a lot of traumatic experiences, by the way, happen uh, before the age of 12. Like even before the age of 12, you would have so many traumatic experiences, I couldn't begin to tell you. Uh, very often when a human is going through trauma, um, an aspect of dissociation happens. Like in other words, and depending on what kind of trauma it is, um, it you know you could even go as far as leaving your body. And when your 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 full soul or an aspect of your soul leaves your body and like essentially looks down upon the body, that is already a split phenomenon. That is already a split consciousness where where your body essentially is a split from your soul, right? So it would manifest in, it could manifest in your body as the split between the lower aspects of you and the higher aspects of you. Um, other types of traumatic experiences could produce you splitting into uh, the version of you that is being hurt in that experience and some, some version of you that is a protective force that enables survival despite that experience, right? So that is how you could create a part 
or an aspect of yourself. And then, um, you know, so generally speaking, going through trauma would create multiple splits. You know, sometimes the trauma is so intense that through just one instance, through one event, you could split into up to 15 different parts. So it's pretty crazy. It's, it's like hurting cats from the uh, then onward. And then the other, and I, I don't know how deep we want to go into this, but um, we've discussed the concept of the multiverse many times at this point, right? Um, so you all know that if you listen to the pre- previous episodes, that when you're essentially making choices in life, you're selecting both options, but you're only cognizant of selecting one, not the other. Um, the, the aspect of you that selected the other option creates a split within you. So essentially, it could be, become another part of you. And despite the fact that those are parallel lives and they would eventually be collapsed into one master line, you sometimes would get stopped or maybe not stopped, propelled, but you would get influenced by the aspects of you from these parallel offshoots of this, this one, uh, one life. So these are all the ways, or, or should I say all the main ways that human consciousness splits itself. Seems like it's a lot of baggage. Oh my God. Yes. Um, huh. Okay. So it means that the minute you incarnate, you have a lot of baggage already, right? From your previous incarnations, from your mother, father lineage, right? Yes. And is it like hundreds, thousands of splits? It could be millions. Millions of splits? It could be, mi- it depends uh, from thousands to, yeah, to millions. Mm-hmm. And that's the range. Yeah. And then uh, kind of during your life, you gain even more, right? You get well, more splits. You lose some, you win some. So ah. y- we cannot always say that every incarnation is created equal and only becomes worse from there. No, actually, some incarnations really help you integrate, not just for yourself, but for your lineage as well, right? So a life well lived always goes back not to just your higher self as kind of like a check box, like a checked box, but it goes back to both of the lineages as well, right? So it's, you know, both of the lineages that you come into are going through their own process, through their uh, unwinding of their karma. So, you know, as you're integrating parts within yourself, you could also be integrating parts within the lineage. And which part is more influential for your current incarnation is it like the baggage of your previous incarnation and ancestral uh, baggage or it's the ones that you gain between the age of like zero to twelve it actually depends on the intention of your higher self Um, those percentages are generally depend uh, determined prior to incarnating so there are certain um aspects that are decided as pivotal or critical for an incarnation so say you you might have a thousand splits but it is up to your higher self to figure out which ones you're going to actually work on in a current incarnation and and the other type of configuration uh that is decided would be like okay like as a higher self i want to influence this body by two like by 50 percent, and then the other 50 percent i want to be split between like evenly between the lineages for instance like that could be decided um, so it all depends on like the configuration of the incarnation, which is a very precise way for your higher self to be able to control the experience. Uh-huh. 
Now, very often when you're saying trauma that happened to you in um, childhood and whatnot, like how much does that drive you? Very often, because this is like a very recent, very fresh wound, it would bother you the most. However, one thing to note here is that any type of deep trauma from your childhood is always planned by your higher self when it's doing the configuration. Mm. Hardly ever. And like literally, especially with like childhood trauma, because like the the part, the, mm, the easiest parts of somebody's life, incarnation to control from the higher perspective um, is the childhood. Because you haven't deviated yet from the original setting. And by the way, as a human, right, as a child, you don't really make a lot of decisions for yourself, not until maybe like teenage years, right? So a lot of your reality is predetermined, like the kinds of family that you're born into, the kinds of parents that you're like born into, the kind of circumstance, like is it rich, is it poor, is it like, I don't know, are they like both of your parents like alcoholics or something? Like there are so many things that are predetermined that essentially you don't have control over what happens to you in the first 10 to 12 years of your life at all. So uh, that's why it's so easy for your higher self to really fully program and direct that experience, which means that whatever deep trauma you're going through in that childhood is definitely blessed, so to say, by your higher self. Hmm. In other words, if that is then the trauma that forms the rest of your existence and the rest of your life, it is very much so done by intention. It's and, not random. And you said that if you have a life well lived then you do the integration yes what, what does it mean and uh, does it happen automatically unconsciously both it, it happens both ways i mean there's not just one right uh what i mean by well lived i mean again like i don't want to bring any dogma i don't want to bring any judgment around good or bad um a, a life well lived is the one where you simply make a lot of progress as a soul Right. Very often that tends to come with unwinding karmic debt on mm. all different levels. Because um, debt, karmic debt, is, is kind of like a knot on the fabric of your existence. That knot tends to create gravity. Um, so imagine like there was, there's a piece of cloth and in the, in the middle of the, that cloth, there is like a center of gravity. And so it's almost like heavy energy over there. So, um, you know, a lot of the things that are on that cloth are going to start going towards the center of gravity. So especially like large karmic knots start operating like gravitational centers, like large, large magnets. And because of that, they prevent you from moving on to bigger and better things until those knots get untangled because they just have that much gravity. So say you might want to choose, I don't know, say you want to live a life of devotion to, I don't know, highest ideals and, you know, honorable, to something honorable, like building a better world or whatnot. But you come into an incarnation and say you have like a massive, 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 massive gravity pull around greed that is like just your karmic debt. Unfortunately, no matter how noble you want to be, before you resolve that big, fat, huge karmic debt, you're not able to move on to bigger and better things. That's why when I say a life well lived, I actually imply that a lot of karmic 
um, situations have been resolved or are on the way of being resolved. Mm -hmm. And is there like an average number of uh, nodes or integration a higher self would plan for human um, for a lifetime? The magic number is um, three. There are always three large lessons or like three big points of impact that you could make. Or should I say there is at least three that are big, big, fat, huge. Now, depending on your higher self, some higher selves tend to be very optimistic or are very ambitious and they can put up to seven large knots uh, for you to resolve um, throughout your uh, life. Huh. But again, there is no, no, it, it's, it's kind of up to your higher self. So it's basically, is it like a side mission? Um, you know, I, I think in one of the episodes, maybe about karma, we were talking about like the mission and then there were knots that actually distract you and you cannot be on your path until you resolve these knots, they kind of drag your attention. Is that correct? So no, this would not be the same as the side mission. Um, in fact, uh, there's generally a path that is being drawn for the most likely and the most optimal path. And all the knots that you're supposed to be resolving are going to be smack in the middle of that path, as in you would not be able to move forward unless you go through that knot. Not Now, not everybody that has an experience being faced with that knot is going to resolve it. So there are two things that could happen. The knot either would get tighter or it would get or it would loosen up based on your interaction with that knot. Oh, can you give an example just to better understand? Yeah, yeah, of course. So um, say that um, one of the knots that you need to work through is um, an abusive marriage. Um, and specifically the karma around uh, you being abused and you're not standing up for yourself, right? So like call it the martyr archetype or whatever you want to call it or like settling or what have you, right? Say, say you have that karma karmic knot this is something that is generally like say it if it's marriage is somewhere around age 30 so your first karmic knot tends to happen from the age between 15 and 25 um, your second is between um, you know 25 and 40 and then the, the third one tends to be later in life after 40 um, so if, if we're talking about the second knot probably here because it has to do with marriage so you know um, post 25, uh, before 40. So what this would mean, right, is you would get into a marriage with somebody who would be abusive because that's your karma. Um, and say that your particular aspect of that karma is again, not being able to stand up for yourself and just like going with the flow and being in a miserable marriage. And let's say that the reason that this is such a big knot for you is generally, let's say that you end up either committing suicide or just hurting yourself physically because you're not able to like leave that person. I mean, I don't know, maybe I went with a very morbid example, but you asked for an example. Um, essentially, when faced with that circumstance, again, what you don't get to control is the kind of person that you've attracted, again, because that is very karmic, right? Now, if you tend to go down the path of hurting yourself yet again in this lifetime, like you've done 7,000 times before, that knot just becomes more tight, as in 
It's like another knot that is created on top of a knot because that is you're going into your habitual behavior. You're doing exactly the same thing that you have come here to transcend, which means the, the karma has gotten worse. It hasn't gotten better, which means that next time that you go through the same experience, that gravity pull of essentially in this case, hurting yourself in response to an abusive relationship is ever so likely. It's even more likely than before, right? Because the pull of that gravity knot is more than um, it was prior to this incarnation. Or let's say there is another scenario where you get a divorce, which is essentially what your higher self wanted you to do all along. You're just supposed to divorce this guy, you know, move on and find the good one already. But you can't get that good one until you untie this one knot, right? What essentially happens, right, is depending on how this karmic knot was structured, you could either loosen it up by making the right choice, or you could completely unwind that knot. And then there, the, that essentially that gravitational pull in the, in the fabric of your existence would disappear completely. Hmm. And how would one loosen it up if this person could <laughs> kind of uh, could do it for, I don't know, 7,000 incarnation and then yeah. one of a sudden, boom, revelation and you... Well, the answer is it, it, it depends, right? Um, there could be such such there could be like different levels for you to deal with the situation that would be on the spectrum of like resolving it. But only one might be the pinnacle of that. And this, uh, you know, and the rest of them would be some version of like in an interim step. Um, again, overgeneralizing, let's say that maybe really the higher self said that the pinnacle of resolving this karma is divorcing the kid, like the dude. And so you did that. And if you did that, and that was the right answer, so to say, that writ written in the fabric of reality by your higher self, you could untangle that knot in one incarnation. But let's say you didn't divorce him. Let's say you're just, I don't know, you stand up for yourself and you make your like husband understand that you're not meant to be treated in that way, but you still don't leave. But let's say you're just not just silently taking the beatings or whatever. Right. That could be like that could represent an interim step instead of like hurting yourself. Look like she's standing up for herself. Right. So you might not be the eagle that's flying in the sky, but you already are not like a dead chicken. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like this person, in essence, has made the right moves towards resolving the situation. They finally started taking their power back as such. Right. That nod became looser. Now, they haven't completely untangled it because to completely be done with the situation, they should have divorced the guy. But maybe they haven't done that. So that would have been like a, a partial resolve. Now, what constitutes the final resolution is determined by your higher self. And by the way, it is not always possible to untangle something that you've been building for 7,000 incarnation in one incarnation. It may also just be decided by your higher self that... In order for it, for her, for him, for your higher self to consider this aspect, this experience fully resolved, now you need to s select the divorce situation 50 times consecutively. That yeah. could just be a, a resolution, right? And so what would happen is, you know, this would just essentially be the first time out of 50, and then you're going to have to do it 49 more times. 
and uh, <laughs> now I'm wondering what what happens more often like you lose or succeed like you tighten it up uh, even more or you're losing it up more 60% of the time you tie it up more yeah. on on this planet mm -hmm. on so you kind of got it's planet specific it's dimension specific for that yeah <laughs> oh like hey, this 40% of the time you loosen it up it's great yeah 10% of the times you resolve it fully yeah oh 10 out of, out of the 40 like if you take 10 uh-huh you know got so it's just this planet so essentially is... it's 60 30 10 so this planet is made specifically for kind of experiences that would tighten it up nah, <laughs> no <laughs> no this planet is made specifically for you to <laughs> resolve your karma it's just not always easy yeah <laughs> because it's not always easy you end up failing 60 percent of the time oh got it okay that makes sense. the architect would never create a planet to make your life worse are you kidding <laughs> <laughs> what is that a malicious entity of some sort no <laughs> that makes sense everything here is to serve you guys yeah. make no mistake so, everything and i mean it everything so what what does what does parts work mean then <laughs> what is parts work? back to parts work that was a big detour into karma <laughs> <laughs> sorry i have to laugh yeah. so parts work is a process by which you integrate certain aspects of yourself into the rest of you it just happens so that every human despite having a bunch of different parts has one that is dominating um that is dominating for each particular incarnation and uh, you know a lot of you would associate yourself with that part, although some of you might not. Some of you might associate yourself with like a minor part, but it's a whole other story. So parts work is a process of integrating a smaller aspect of yourself into a larger aspect of yourself that you tend to identify with. In the process, it frees up a lot of energy and it converts energy that essentially is either on the opposite side of the rest of you like pulling the the blanket the other way so to say or is just non-participating with the rest of your mission so it's kind of like recruiting certain aspect of yourself that is in the way to be on your side it's kind of like bringing everything back to unity consciousness and you know taking an antagonistic aspect of yourself and making that an aligned aspect of, of yourself as a process of parts work. So the process of parts work is the grand coming into unity, unity consciousness, the unity of being, the unity of experience. It's a gradual process because there are just so many splits within every individual human, within every individual oversoul, right? So it's a gradual process. And hey, just like the rest of the universe, right? Like the rest of the universe does not necessarily experience a lot of unity. Right. Uh, it is still a dividing universe. Uh, source consciousness, source aspect is still dividing itself into more parts, right? Before we can all come into unity. So as above, so below, that's what you're experiencing here. Now, arguably, this whole journey that we're on as souls, as beings, is the process from a uh, journey from the most divided state into the most unified state. And that is exactly the, the journey that you're on as an individual 
aspect of consciousness. Hmm. And uh, is it something that you can do intentionally, consciously, uh, or it just life has to happen with you in order to integrate these parts? No, no, no. You can definitely uh, work on on integrating consciously. Although enough happens on the subconscious level just by the virtue of you going through certain experiences. Mm -hmm. And uh, would you recommend uh, going through the conscious intentional process of integration? I definitely would. Now, it... um, I think parts work is complicated because you might not always know which part you need to integrate right now. That could be a little bit complicated um, to figure out. And also, depending on, like if you're going into trauma, depending on how many aspects of you have been created as splits, it might be something that is easier to do or harder to do, right? So it's not to say that every session of parts work that you would do would essentially be easy but there are certain common places where you could look um i recommend though anytime that you're feeling stuck or anytime where you're not able to make a decision uh, or anytime where you really want to be on the path but something is preventing you from acting um, i recommend doing and looking into parts work as a tool right now not enough people do that right not enough people do that um very often you would be oh by the way every every um maybe i shouldn't be overgeneralizing but most of the stuff that you take to your uh therapist could be resolved with parts work because essentially all of that trauma all of that the i don't know why i'm this way the i don't know why they're that way that I don't know I, what I want to do, I don't know who I am, and uh, I don't know why I'm so unhappy. Most of these questions could be resolved through parts work. That's why it's such a good tool like used by therapists. Now, not every therapist take, takes it all the way because the, the face of therapy, especially, well, I shouldn't say especially in the US because that is <laughs> literally the heart and soul of, of therapy it is the United States and everybody else just learned from the United States. But it is a system that is designed essentially to keep you in the system in the same way that the medical system is designed to keep you in the system. It is designed to keep you coming back. Because of that, not every therapist is going to do the last and final part of parts work. So, uh, which is the actual resolution. So the whole concept of, not concept, the whole industry of therapy is based on talking through issues. And the, the talking through an issue could last. <laughs> I mean, some people that go into therapy spend 10 years on one issue. I hate to say this. And is it getting better over time? Yes, a little bit. I mean, they're, but, but the amount of sheer amount of hours and life force that they spend on that uh, particular issue is, is absolutely not worth it. So what I want you to understand is, does your therapist mean well? Yes, absolutely. The, the tools, though, that they've been taught in school have been created to keep you in that system. They're not necessarily optimized for resolution. So just meeting a part of yourself and understanding what they look like and what they feel like and what they would like to name themselves and why they were created in the first place and then trying to understand their perspective is great, but it is not the 
fullness of, you know, of the healing. And I'm not saying every therapist is that way, but enough. Enough, we just want to keep talking about the issue for like 20 sessions and when they could potentially resolve it in 30 minutes. Did I answer your question? Yes, yes. And uh, is there a practice that you would recommend or is it even possible to do it on your own or oh, you absolutely. would need a guide? Or like no, no, you don't, an you don't need a guy. I mean, guide. Um, I guess I could be your guide. I'm fine. Um, there are a few... Okay. Let, let, let me talk really quickly and just give you a general overview before we would go into how like the actual practice. But you need to understand what the process looks like. So the first thing is to understand which aspect you need to work with or aspects you need to work with, right? And of course, it's predicated upon what is the issue that you're dealing with at this moment in time. Um, so that's step one. So it's figuring out which part or parts you need to work with. Step two is getting to know this part at least a little bit. Step three is giving that part a voice uh, and understanding, well, specifically understanding their motivations as part of understanding their voice and their truth, right? Because to understand somebody's voice, you really under need to understand their truth. That, and, and that really gives you a lot of insight on, on what is their role within your larger being? Uh, how are they helping you? How do they think they're helping you? Et cetera, et cetera, right? And then the last step, um, arguably the most important is the, the seeing the light or coming to a common denominator or like, and having an understanding and eventually like, you know, and I'll show you how to do that, but eventually you need to come to an understanding that this part of you that got split up is essentially on the same mission that the larger part of you, that is the rest of you, the entirety of you has, right? So essentially everybody is moving, trying to move in the same direction. And it was never the intention to move in different directions, right? You're all part of that one integral whole. And so the last part of parts work is actually integrating uh, like a more contrarian split aspect of yourself with the rest of you, which could imply giving them another task to complete or perform or giving them another mission to uh, part of the mission to work through or solve for. Uh, and then again, like, uh, essentially when that aspect comes back, their energy, their momentum, their memories and everything comes back into your whole, making you a stronger, more integral, more coherent human. So that's kind of the process, right? Now, in terms of the, um, you can do that with a practitioner. You can do it with yourself. Uh, you can do that in a meditative state also. So there are like... The options are limitless. Uh, now, let's say we're not talking the practitioner because the practitioner is generally the guide, right? Let's say you have two options. So for the two options, you can do that from a meditative state, right? When you descend into theta yourself, and when you quiet down your internal dialogue you with the deep breaths, you're getting yourself into meditative state. In this particular state, um, one of your etheric guides could help you. And uh, I, you know, if you, if you're curious, I can tell you like how to work in the etheric realm doing parts work. Uh, a more traditional way of doing it on yourself would be without a meditative state, right? Um, would, where you would be in full consciousness. And this is something that, you know, this particular technique is either called the chair technique or the pillow technique. 
And essentially what it looks like is upon identifying the aspect of yourself that needs to be integrated or a part of you um, that is in the way somehow or maybe is not coherent with the rest of you, you would imagine placing that part of you on the pillow or in a chair and communicating with that part of you or letting that part of you communicate from that chair. Um, or like, should I say embodying that part of you, right? And then you could move from one chair to the other, kind of like essentially moving from one aspect of yourself to another aspect of yourself or from one pillow to the other. Um, you know, essentially switching fit the physical position of your body enables you to be a lot more fluid and a lot more flowy and easily transcend from one aspect to yourself of yourself to another aspect of yourself, which essentially enables, um, enables you to uncover blind spots. So that's the one thing about the subconscious and essentially all parts work is subcon is, is working with your subconscious. So these are all the things about yourself that you didn't know about yourself. Now they make up your overall energy stream, but the reason these parts are separate is very often you have no awareness that they even exist until a trigger happens. A trigger would generally, there are many triggers there are as many triggers as there are people and even as many as there are parts within these people. So trillions of different triggers. Uh, let's say that anytime some, like a, a, an example of a trigger could be somebody raising their voice and starting to yell at you. All of a sudden it triggers a memory from your, I don't know, your dad yelling at you when you're five years old. And like that sends you into, I don't know, hyperventilation. Uh, and, and then you're, you're just stressed or like you're, I don't know, ashamed, or you're like crying or whatever, like it causes like a visceral reaction in your body. That could be a trigger event, right? So up until somebody yells at you, you're your quote unquote normal human, all of a sudden somebody raises their voice and you go into a five-year-old mode. Whoops, trigger event happened. But in that moment though, in time, you don't associate with a five-year-old. You don't know what's happening. Something triggered you and you're like, oh my God, where, was, where did that come from? Very often, you would be able to do all kinds of stuff when you're triggered like that. A quick example is passion crimes. You're like, well, you know, passion crimes. I don't know. Like, I don't know what like got over me, but I just killed him because he cheated on me or whatever. Passion crime, right? You still go to jail for passion crimes, but maybe you'll, you'll get like a shorter sentence. But when like that woman was committing that act, she might have been in another part of herself that may be an abused part from like seven lifetimes ago, right? That triggered, that somehow got triggered by the outside world. But that part up until that moment in time stayed in the subconscious of so this woman wasn't even aware, right? So essentially, because these parts are in, in your subconscious, you don't know them. So as you're going through the exercise of sitting in the chair as that part of sitting on a pillow as that part, what comes through is, you know, the entirety of what that part is, like their experiences from deep depth, from the, like the, the deep layers of your subconscious, what would come through is like, what is that part? How does it feel? Why does it feel the way it feels? And you would be surprised sometimes what comes through because that part may come through as, I don't know, like a witch that was burned in the st at the stake in 1300s and she would have all these fears, for instance, around being seen, right? 
Little did you know, because you're a, scient- a biologist, a scientist in this life, like what the hell, what, which in 1300s? And yet she might be living within you and she might be triggered by certain aspects in your life. Do you know what I mean? So um, I don't know if you want to, what you want to know, do next. Let me know if you want to focus in on either of the two, like in, you know, doing healing in the etheric or you want to just focus on the more traditional one, how like a therapist would do it. Let me know what you want to do. I would actually try maybe a meditation because our podcast is about uh, like spirituality and we give a lot of meditation. So I would maybe try a meditation and then maybe we'll have another episode just more about like traditional. Yeah, of course. So um, the beauty of meditations or doing this from a meditative state is first you have to, not you have to, but you get a chance to go really, really deep. And second, honestly, there's so many ways to like do this so we could have fun with it. I would say this before we go into the meditation, a couple of things. Um, you should come with an issue, right? Like before doing this practice, you should get clarity around what you want to heal. Because when your guides are guiding you through this experience in your mind's eye, they're not going to, like, it's it's not like um, an annual checkup where you show up and you're like, fix me. Tell me what's wrong with me. It doesn't work. Part, parts work doesn't work that way. Because there's so much that's wrong with you that they wouldn't know what to start. I hate to say this. It's kind of like looking at a human that is a whole, uh, like, um, like, um, I don't know, broken in a trillion ways. And so when this human shows up and says, please heal me, they're like, well, do you want me to randomly pick one of your trillion parts so it's broken, right? So that's not necessarily a lot of direction. Spirit always needs direction from you because this is a free will-based universe. So it is up to you, your free will, to determine the path of the healing. What if you ask specifically, like, can you heal this part that stops me from being on the path and it's like the biggest issue for this incarnation yes possible because that's direction right you you have to give at least direction if you don't know the issue you can give very specific direction at least yes so directions can vary from can you please heal my inner critic or can you please work with all my inner child aspects everybody has them right so that that would be like very general direction for this planet to can you please heal the aspects of me that are preventing me from being a good wife or a good mother? Or can you please heal aspects within me um, that are preventing me from finding a job that I love? Could be an example. Or, a, you know, I, I, I'm about to make a decision, but I'm afraid of making the decision. Can you, you know, show me the parts of me that are preventing me from making this decision like all of these are examples of direction you just cannot come and be like do whatever you want right because nothing is going to happen frankly or not much or what's going to happen is they're going to make you want to choose something um or, or have to choose something okay so first things first right um choose which aspect of yourself you want to heal um okay um in a meditative state right you want to do deep breaths you want to do very deep breaths 
Now, this part, this particular meditation is going to require for you to have some capacity for inner vision. So for about 70% to 75% of you, this is going to be possible. There is some portion of you that are not going to be able to perform this practice. So for, and that's okay, by the way, right? That's okay. Um, for the 25% that are unable to do this, you would simply just go to a more traditional parts work exercise and it's going to be just as effective for you. Yeah, and we'll can, we can have one just uh, as a separate part. Uh, we could, but you could also just Google. I mean, it's, yeah. there's so many videos on this, um, like the more traditional. I mean, the, 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 the question is always how accurate they are and like how maybe there are some tricks that can be used that you can give. Yeah, I see. Okay, sure. Happy to. Yeah. Happy to, happy to. Um, okay, so one way to see... So for right in a meditative state, you want to repeat your intention of like why you showed up in the first place. Um, I like working with the energy of the mirror for the parts work because the energy of the mirror is a really, really good proxy for reflections and showcasing the parts of you that you're not able to see. So imagine that you are in a room and let's pick a nice sunny room. Let's pick a room somewhere, you know, um, Say there's a castle in the mountains, right? Because parts work is essentially shadow work. And for shadow work, you need light just because it makes the going a little more fun, a little bit more seamless, a little bit more joyful. So you want to imagine that you are in a room somewhere in the castle, you know, in the mountains. It's very beautiful, bright, sunny day. And you are standing right next to a mirror. The mirror is ornate and intricate and it has this gilded frame, very beautiful floor length mirror, really like you can see the fullness of who you are there. Uh, right now, the mirror is reflecting you the way that you look in this current incarnation. So whatever you are most used to seeing when you look in the mirror is probably what the mirror is reflecting. Now, uh, what I want you to do is repeat and state your intention, right? So say your intention is to work through a part of you that is preventing you from being a good mother, for instance. So what you want to do is you want to step outside. You want to step out, um, out of the line of the mirror. So there is nothing that's reflected in the mirror. And then I know your eyes are closed because you're in a meditative state. But close them again, you know, in that, you know, from the perspective of your like etheric body. So just close your eyes again and step in front of the mirror in the aspect of you, in the part of you that is preventing you from being a good mother. So you want to step in front of the mirror. You want to wait for a couple of seconds and then you want to open your eyes and look what is in the mirror. So what is going to be in the mirror is going to be one part of you that is somehow representing a split consciousness and a part of you that is in the way of you being a good mother. Very often with parts work, one part wants to do something, be something, get somewhere, and the other part is resisting. So the parts work is essentially working with all the aspects of you that are resisting the chosen path. Right. So first, what you want to do is you want to look 
at that path, sorry, part, look at that part. And the beauty of doing this through a meditation is that your traditional therapy parts work session, session is not going to enable you to actually see a part of you that is in the way and that is resisting. You know, you would be connecting to the consciousness of that part, but you cannot actually see it. In this exercise, you can. And the mirror is a really, really good multiplier. It's a really, really good proxy uh, because there are very mighty mm, spirits that are working with the energy of the mirror to really be able to showcase you, the hidden parts of you. So there are other aspects of um, essentially source energy that are on your side with this healing. So what you want to do is you want to connect to that aspect of you and you want to look at it. Um, it's going to be a particular gender, by the way, not necessarily always the gender that you are currently today. That aspect of you is going to be of a particular age, young, old, something in between, you know, and it's going to be dressed in a particular way. Um, and you would be able to see, like even the body language of this part is going to be very different depending on which part of you came through, you know. Um, some would be really hunched over. Others would be crying or like, you know, ripping their hair out. Like there's all kinds of things that I've seen. Some are going to be dirty. Others are going to be naked. Like there's all kinds of stuff that can come through, frankly. Um, some like some aspects of you could be a toddler. Don't also don't be surprised if the part that comes through is not even human looking. I've seen it. A, a part of you that can show up can be a dragon looking or it could be a stone could be a well like I've seen all kinds of stuff frankly so don't don't judge it right um you want to greet this part of you you want to ask it for its name right and then essentially you can have a dialogue with it and you can ask it you know um what basically essentially why is it in the way right and um, some, for some of you that have this hearing ability, inner hearing, you know, you would start hearing words. But for those of you that don't, you would just get a knowing, right? Just by looking at this aspect of you, you would know exactly why it is so broken, so hurt, right? Um, you know, if you were doing parts work in a more traditional way, this would be the time for this part to speak or to say something, right? Um, you definitely want to understand its motivation. So you can ask it questions from, from this place. It can be like, hey, like why, you know, what happened around motherhood in this particular instance that doesn't make you want me to become a mother, right? And very often, um, this part of you may choose to just show you pictures like of what happened in the past. So like little quick movies almost of like, well, I don't want you to be a mother. And then the, they might just flash an image in front of you where, like let's say your child died because you couldn't provide for them or what have you, right? And that could be like a past life memory or that could be an ancestral memory from like seven ancestors ago that you're still holding in, in your body. The next thing that you want to do is you want to come as you are to that part of you and you want to take, you want to establish contact with them. If it's a human aspect of you, you want to take them by their hands. So hands to hands, palm to palm contact is the best contact here. If it is an animal or an object, you just want to put your palms on that object or, you know, like you can hug the animal if you want. And from here, what you want to communicate is that you really want to be a mother, right? In this particular case, like your intention, 
for doing this healing, right? Like the path, like you really want to explain the path that you're walking on. And you want to ask, and then you want to uh, explain to that part that you understand its concerns and you appreciate it looking out for yourself, for, for you, right? For your future. And you want to acknowledge that it has been protecting you or preventing you from making the wrong choice all along. But really, you have come here and one of your intentions is to be a mother or to like walk that path, right? And then you want to ask that part if it would be okay with helping you on that path. Now, very often, very often, you would get... Um, you know, even from here, because like actually healing in the etheric realm in the meditation format is a lot easier, um, in, um, than even in the, in the more traditional sense, because in, in the traditional sense where a lot of people get stuck then is how to merge the two realities, right? Like how to merge the reality of the core aspect of you with the reality of that part of you that doesn't want to be connected and doesn't want you to be on that path. And the reason being is because the only communication that you have in this particular instance is verbal, or like the main form of communication is verbal. So it's very hard for that other aspect of you to be able to feel the entirety of you when the communication is only verbal. From the etheric meditation realm, it's easier because the moment your hands touch the hands of that part, it sees the entirety of who you are. And it's able to understand you. But at the same moment, when the two of you connect your hands, you're able to see the entirety of that person's perspective as well. And so the merge actually happens almost naturally. There is not a lot of ping pong back and forth like, I don't know who they are and how dare they do this. Another thing that could help you to connect is this. I want you to focus as the part of you that's like trying to connect focus on the future of like what you think you would have if you could move in the, on the direction that you want. So in this particular case, when you're touching the hands of that aspect of you that's resisting and you really want to be a mother, what you want to do is focus on what happens once you become a mother in your head. You know, focus on how like you're touching the baby and the baby's really happy and it's in the cradle and like all the happy things that you think are going to happen right? The positive version of that future and start sending that through the palms of your hand and your third eye area into the other aspect of you. And that is where actually the great merge starts to happen almost seamlessly because what the aspect of you that's resisting that future is failing to see is your version and vision of that future. Because for them, they're projecting something else into that future that may never happen in that future. And what they're projecting into that future is more of the past, like of their fears. But since you are in charge now, since you are in command, and since you're doing this healing work, that aspect of the past does not matter because it's going to be integrated in the fullness of who you are. So you can move on to bigger and better things. So by focusing and projecting forth the version of the future that you too could be moving into, what I find is the aspect of yourself that has been resisting all of a sudden is in full, um, is fully onboarded into the version of that future and actually is going to really want to jump right in. So from here, I generally see, uh, you know, once you both focus on that version of the future, 
I generally, that resistance is gone momentarily. So very often that aspect of yourself that you're trying to integrate is going to smile and nod and just want to be fully integrated in you. And when that happens, essentially their energies would merge with yours and like it would be a moment where you're holding their hands and then another moment where they become so much a part of you that they dissipate and legitimately all of their energy is being poured into the rest of your body, right? And that's how you know that the aspect has been integrated is when you look in the mirror again and all you see is yourself. The last step of this process is to ask, is there another aspect of me that's resisting me being a mother? And you want to step outside of the line of the mirror, focus on that question, step into the mirror, open your eyes and see what comes through. Is If what you're seeing is yourself again or you're not seeing anything, that's a good sign. That means that there is no other aspect of you that's resisting. If you see something else, someone else, then you have to repeat the cycle all over again. That means that there are more than one aspects of you that are preventing you from that outcome. And so essentially you want to do the same exact thing by connecting, learning about them, and then essentially showing them the future that you're envisioning. Are there any common, unusual scenarios? Well, the most, the first thing that throws a lot of people off is when they don't see a human. Uh, is when they see like an inanimate object. It could be anything like a necklace. They're like, how the freaking hell do I connect to a necklace? You know, and how you connect to a necklace is like oh, an inanimate object. You take it into your hands and you essentially try to understand what is it about that object that is an aspect of you that's resisting. And it will be able to connect and communicate to you in the same way that like a, a human would, right? So that could be it. I mean, uh, another thing that trips people up is if they cannot see something uh, or if they can see clear in the mirror, that is possible that you see and like you're, you know, what you see around the mirror is like fuzzy around the edges. You know what? That's fine. Even if you see some, um, I know, shape and you can't quite tell what it is you would still be able to, by touching it, you would still be able to get an understanding of its story and why it showed up. So just keep going with the exercise. Don't like make yourself wrong for not being able to see the intricacies of, of that part, right? And not seeing it as what representing one gender or particular age or what have you. Like the healing is still possible for you. And that's the thing. Like you get to bypass with this exercise because your guides are here. You get to bypass so much that the healing is going to happen anyway. Now, if you feel stuck, completely stuck, I've seen it happen. As in, you, you're you connecting with your part, you're, you're somehow connecting, but like you're not able to un, like move forward from like to resolve and actually integrate. What you could ask is you could ask one of the angels, you can ask your guardian angel to come through and physically assist you in this process. When that happens, you would be able to actually have an angel join in into the process. Very often, the way that they would be able to help you is by essentially they would take a palm of their hand and put it around the the um like the aspect of a part of you that you're trying to integrate with around their third eye area or like their higher chakra area. 
and they essentially would do all the work for you and you just need to stay here and wait until the energies come back into you. That is if, you know, if you're unable to do it on your own, you can also ask for help like that. I also see a common mistake is people give, they, they integrate one part and they think they're one and done. It could be up to seven different aspects, depending on the complexity of the issue that would need to come through for you to integrate. So don't keep, you know, don't, <laughs> don't think you, you have already succeeded if you integrated one. Also, um, what may come through is not something that you find terribly appealing. Like a spider may come through as an, uh, an, a part of yourself that's split, for instance, or a snake or something that you don't find terribly appealing. Unfortunately, it doesn't mean that you get to not integrate. Because if you already have gone down this rabbit hole of asking spirit for help, you know, know that what comes through is what needs to be integrated. And also, don't worry. It's just etheric work. Like that spider is not going to hurt you. And it's not like you, if you integrate with it, like that spider is going to live in your body. That is not the thing. By the way, that spider's already been living in your body also. <laughs> so there's nothing essentially outside of the normal that is happening. I think these are the main ones. Another thing I'll tell you is try to do this work when you are reasonably, uh, you have a decent level of energy as in, I don't know, if, if you feel exceptionally tired after a long day of work and don't have any energy, don't do this exercise. This is fairly energy consuming and you need to be fully on for this exercise. So don't do it when you're depleted. Just make sure that, you know, you're well rested and ideally do it in the, you know, in the morning or the afternoon. Um, but also do it, you know, where you, there's a little bit of time for you to integrate and you don't have to be, you know, like do it over the weekend when it's like, relaxed uh, because when you're when you're integrating energies like that especially depending on the archetypes that you're integrating your body might post this work your body might actually integrate for days after if not a week right so also don't worry if you're feeling like a little bit off off center for the next couple of days it is possible but I guarantee you that you will start noticing shifts in your life uh, as soon as integration is complete because essentially you're going to be a, a changed human. You're going to be a different being. Is well, it going to be like courage or confidence or... Depends on what you're integrating. Yeah. So it's going to be a feeling or a thought or... Well, you would just belief. notice that um, it was going to be... You, what, you, what changes is your energy. Mm -hmm. So all of the above probably and more. The thought and the feeling and the belief. And the destiny based on all of that. Because your destiny, your fate, your future is very much predicated upon your energy frequency, your vibration, right? Because, for example, if you are in in an abusive relationship and you do this work, mm -hmm. what would be the outcome? Like, in a year, you decide to actually divorce or it's going to be faster or it depends? Well, it depends what your... Um, when you're in an abusive relationship, the parts of you that are integrating and your ask could be completely different. Your ask could be, can I please get the courage? I need the courage to, to do what I need to do. Or maybe you're just, uh, you know, asking to integrate all the parts that are resisting you leaving that person, right? For yeah. example, 
you know, maybe there is a part of you that is really, really scared to death of being alone. And it believes that having any kind of husband or wife is better than none at all, right? And so despite how dramatic, traumatic, abusive a relationship is, that part is always going to be resisting a divorce, right? So depending on which part of you you've integrated and how successful you've integrated, it might give you perspective, courage, vibrational shift to be able to leave your husband right away, essentially, not in a year, but essentially right away as soon as it's integrated, because that, that shift would be, you know, as soon as it's complete within a week, it's, it's not something that's going to take years. Parts work is fairly fast. It's yeah. like one of the fastest forms of healing. And you would notice, right? Like essentially what would change is your attitude also. Like before you would feel like, oh, there's like, there's no way I'm able to, to make this step. There's no way, like no matter what happens, I just don't, I can't bring myself to do it. All of a sudden you do parts work and you're like, oh, where did that go? Where did that barrier go? There's nothing there that's preventing me. Like essentially just taking action from here. I don't feel like trapped anymore. And good parts work would always get you untrapped in one way, shape or form. It would mm. give you like either a peace of mind, more courage. I mean, depending on the circumstance, uh, but it always aligns you to a better version of your future than the one that you've been living into. Got it. That's great. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing this uh, meditation with us uh, today. And um, now I'm going to end this session. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future, please email us at hello at conversationswithmyhigherself.co. If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends. The world is going to be better off for it. With much love, Maria and Sergey.